0: you can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. All right, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. So on this show, we interview people that have victory stories, stories of hope, redemption. You know, the point of the podcast is to inspire people to take their life to the next level, whether that's getting clean, whether that's, you know, whatever it is for them. I do a lot of local people you know represent Mm -hmm. davie so tonight i have my buddy matt Matty d um i've known you basically since uh i think you're older than me right am i older than you're older than me uh i am you're born in 90 89 89 okay so you're like a year older yeah
1: we're like probably nine months apart you went to indian ridge too yep i went to bear and then i went to indian ridge for sixth grade and then i transferred out into american heritage for baseball oh wow yeah born in davie I grew up in sunrise until i was like what 11 mm-hmm. and then we moved to parkwood isles nice the good old parkwood yeah right next to indian ridge egging the school buses at 11 years old yeah
0: yeah <laughs> i wonder if kids still do that like do kids egg cars now <laughs> Or do they just <laughs> go, they just go on tiktok <laughs> yeah that's all they do now yeah like do they paintball cars coming by i just remember being so fucked up as a kid yep yeah i remember like we would have a sleepover And then we'd be like, all right, let's sneak out and egg cars that are coming by.
1: Yeah, let's jump on our bicycles and ride all the way to Kabooms, Mm -hmm. you know, and hide out out with Alex, like the good old, that whole area.
0: You know, I know most of your story, but uh, if you just want to start from the beginning, you know, how it started. Okay.
1: So for me, uh, looking back now from where I was at as a kid and like doing the work that I've done today, realizing that really since I was... I don't know, probably six, seven years old. I used to think like I was different. Like I just didn't, never felt like, I don't know. Like I played baseball as like an all-star athlete, like, but it was never enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I do know that like as a kid, I always had the addictive personality. Um, my first obsession and compulsion was really over sports and baseball, right? And I thought like if I did good here, like I just I would eat, sleep, breathe, sports, being outside, rather be like roller hockey, just everything like that was like my thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget I was in third grade at Sawgrass Elementary and I got arrested. For stealing someone, like, it was like, you know, the after-school programs. Like, my mom used to be like, you could only stay in the neighborhood, and we used to skate around, aggressive Mm -hmm. skate, right? And we skated up to the school after when they had, like, their after hours school, and we were messing with the kids that were in, like, the the after-hours.
0: Aftercare. Yeah, Yeah,
1: there you go. One of the teachers or staff, I guess, had a hat. It was an NWO hat. I'll never forget this. Mm -hmm. And we took the hat and took off on our skates supposedly he says there was a wallet in the hat and he called the cops. I think I was like eight years old was my first run-in with the law. And it's funny, the cop that arrested me and my two other friends was the cop that lived in my development Mm -hmm. and my dad knew him, right? Mm -hmm. So that was like my first run-in with the law of like kind of getting in trouble. And then from there, it's crazy. During that same period of time, third, fourth grade, there was a kid that was in school with me that his dad was like an attorney and had money. My stepdad had like this massive collection of gel pens. Remember, like the good, like gel, all the different color pens. I stole them all and I sold them to this kid for forty bucks. Mm -hmm. And like that first time getting like money, I was like, "Ooh, I got forty bucks from this kid!" You know, like those are like the things that are like at a young age. I was like, "Oh, whatever," you know. Mm -hmm. I was cool. Got some kid for forty bucks for. I think I gave him like I don't know forty pens. It was like a dollar a pen. But anyways, like his dad was an attorney and his dad used to smoke. And like I went over his house, uh, we'd ride our bikes to like each other's house, all hang out. It was when kids used to hang out outside and not be on their phones all day. And I remember I was at his house and it was the same time, third, fourth grade, and we found weed in his dad's house. And we were like, oh, we didn't even know how to smoke. I didn't even know what happened. How old were you? I was in fourth grade. I would be eight, nine years old. Yeah. I'll never forget, it was like some dirt red. Oh, my God. We go to light it, and the seeds are just like, pop, pop. Um, I remember riding my bike home. I didn't know if I was high, not high. I was like, what is this? Like, Mm. I was just like cruising, no hands, pedaling as fast as I can. That was my first experience with anything. My aunt uh, struggled really bad with substances, and, you know, she was really like messed up my whole life. uh, The party animal when I was around that same time before we moved to Davie, uh she used to like smoke cigarettes and drink. And my mom used to let us go with her for the weekend. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, she had an apartment right on the ridge. We were over there one night and I used to watch her and stare at her, smoke her cigarettes and drink her beer. And like, I was like obsessed with it. And uh, I'll never forget the night she was like, go ahead, you wanna sip? You wanna hit the cigarette? Mm-hmm. And like, that was like, me and my sister drank like half a beer. And we smoked a cigarette with her. And I was like nine, about to be 10. You think your mom knows that? You know, well, she knows today, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but at the time, the, she had no At idea. the time, no clue. It was with her sister. And exactly. she was like, my sister would never put my kids in harm. The family... It's so crazy, like, you being a parent now. <laughs> like... yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you it's know nuts. what's
0: funny is that I have people who listen to the show. And this guy I came up to me. He's like, bro, I listen to every show. He's like, I'm not an addict, but I got kids. And I remember being <laughs> like, "What? like, okay, you got kids? And he's like you don't understand how much parenting info i get on there and yeah. i've never thought of it that way you know yeah
1: it's definitely I, yeah i didn't even think of that yeah. Listen to it in that aspect with my aunt being in the picture she's a huge part of my story she was my safety net my safety zone you know i had the dysfunctional family divorce at a young age there was a lot of toxin and like i'm not blaming like mom or dad for it they did the best with what they had. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of things as a kid and as young as I was that I shouldn't have known. My stepdad has been in my life since I was six, seven, he came into my life, you know, he got arrested. This is a crazy story. My stepdad got arrested and my little league, my dad used to coach little league, like my baseball league with an assistant coach. Um, The assistant coach was a Fort Lauderdale narcotics unit cop. And the divorce was really ugly. There was a lot of shit between my mom and my dad. And who knows, I would get two sides of the story at 7, eight, nine, 10 years old. Like, I shouldn't be hearing this shit. Mm-hmm. But I'll never forget when my stepdad got arrested. And he got arrested for trafficking cocaine. And the cop that arrested him was my Little League baseball <laughs> coach. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know, to this day, I don't know who set who up. If he was already on the list, you know. When that happened, you know there was a lot of anger from my mom talking shit about my dad, my dad talking shit about him, and I was just in the middle like I don't know what the fuck's going on. He buys me toys, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, that dysfunctional, you know, shit was a little like crazy, and that's what got us to move from Sawgrass to Davie. You know, my mom sold the house. My stepdad was on house arrest. I remember growing up when we lived in Sawgrass. My stepdad was a nightclub bouncer and ran what was that Cafe Iguanas on the beach. Mm-hmm. We used to have these parties every weekend. Like these dudes were pulling up in Porsches, Lambos, like Bentleys, right? And like I was, a, I didn't know what the fuck the car was, you mm-hmm. know. But they would come with all these like strippers, like they would have these wild parties, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like he got arrested, and it all went away, you know. And the next thing you know, we moved to Davie. So moving to Davie was really living in Parkwood Isles. I'm so grateful for that neighborhood. I mean, yeah. there was like 14 boys. I was the youngest at 11. The oldest was like 23. So just so people know, this is like people that have some type of land and horses and shit. No, not in Parkwood. Oh, where's Parkwood? Parkwood was the development next to Indian Ridge. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was in between I was Cary. thinking about the other house because
0: I remember I've been to one of your houses.
1: The one where the horses are. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, a different house. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> way down the line. So it was, like, in the development I lived in, there was 11 of us. Oh, so wait, this is where Carrie used to live? Carrie lived in the neighborhood next. Oh, And then Alex Kane lived in the next neighborhood. Oh, my God. So it was, like, just a shit show of fucking boys, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to AK. Yeah. Big shout out to AK. He's the one that saved my life this time. You and him. Yeah. So the cool thing was with that was it was, like, all of these, we were all, I was the youngest. Like I said, the oldest was 23, and we all had our go-peds and zipping around and, um, that's where the fun began, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't like things were crazy. I remember all of us used to collect our lunch money and save our 25 bucks a week. And we'd all throw in and get rather a half ounce or an ounce of weed. on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and we would all literally smoke nonstop for the whole weekend. Oh my God. And you were the youngest. Yeah. Me and Polly were the youngest. And the funny part, man, is like thinking back, right? Like me and you like, like in school, mm-hmm. you were like, everyone's like, don't hang out with that kid he smokes crack you know and, <laughs> I, in sixth grade yo I didn't even know what crack was <laughs> like, yeah they're like don't do that he does hard drugs like everyone's like stay away from him you know
0: yeah I was with someone the other day and we were outside and this one kid ran up to me he's like bro you're Brian Alzate and he's like some <laughs> young kid from the neighborhood yeah and I was like what's up man and then my friend was like what was that I was like I could only imagine he was, like, some younger kid in the neighborhood who just heard, like, all these fucked up stories. Yeah,
1: all these all stories. Stay away from that house, yeah. you know? So, like, when we were, like, younger or whatever, it was kind of cool because, like, we had the ridge, right? Mm-hmm. That was our escape. So, like, the thing was we had to be home before, you know, it got dark, you know, most of the time. And we would literally build forts on the ridge. Like, that's what we did for fun as kids. Mm -hmm. Like, we'd ride our bicycles up there or go peds. And that's really, like, when it started for me. Like, that's when I started. At 11 years old, I started smoking weed every single day, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was, like, from sixth grade going into seventh. I went to American Heritage because of baseball. And my dad, you know, wanted the best for me and my sister. When I went to Heritage, I was, like, throwing a fit because all my friends went to public school, you know? You know, when I started like smoking in the neighborhood, it was a daily thing. It wasn't until I was 12, 13, um, when I went to American heritage, I realized, holy shit, these kids have money. And there was just so much drugs going around. Yeah, what I
0: tell people is like, you know, public school, there's weed, at private school, there's Coke.
1: Yeah, you know, Adderall Coke, like, (laughs) it was crazy, man. I'll never forget, there was a seminal kid that was in, uh, me and him had like every class together. And he would take Adderall, but he didn't like taking them because they it would, it would knock him out, you know? Wow. So he used to give me all of his Adderall. Mm-hmm. And like, I had no idea what to do with them. I was like, oh, cool. And I used to like kind of take them here and there. I tried to sell them. But it was in that time that I started getting into more of like the making money off of weed. I was about 13. I remember I, I bought a half ounce. I bagged everything out in little half eighths. Mm-hmm. I had it all ready to go. And I'd sell weed at school. I'd make my little money. Like, I was like, oh, this is what I'm, I want to do, you know? My head at that time, my favorite movie was Blow. I wanted to be George. Like, I'm going to sell weed, move tons of weed across borders and mm-hmm. go, like, 12 years old, that shouldn't be your, like, idol, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I was telling someone, I always, like, share, it's like, for me, it was, like, Blow and Cocaine Cowboy Documentary, like, the Cocaine cowboys <laughs> Documentary, because, bro, we're from Florida, yep. you know what I mean? It was just, like, you know, I remember buying drugs, and people just had the Cocaine Cowboys Documentary going in circulation at someone's house, it we was just playing in the background, you'd be, like,
1: pull up to a party, it'd be on TV or yep. something. remember when people would have a... When like the DVDs and cars came out, yeah, and like you could watch movies in cars, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and cars, Like in the old Pioneer. I remember, uh,
0: <laughs> like, Butler was like the first person yeah, to have one. Yeah. He had it in his Audi. Yep,
1: yeah, that's crazy. I forgot about Butler, man, and that whole name. Like you guys, it was funny. So I knew of like you guys. Mm-hmm. Stay away from them. They smoke crack and they're just wild. They'll take yeah. your stuff,
0: <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, because it's like. <laughs> I matured out of, like, selling drugs to, like, if you aren't, like, a big player, we're just robbing you. you Yeah, that's it. And it's, like, if you're not respected and connected and, like, have, like, if there's not a big consequence to robbing you, we're robbing you. Yeah. And I remember, like, and someone schooled me on that. Someone was, like, you know, bro, let's just buck this kid. And I'd be, like, no, it's my friend. (laughs) And he'd be, like, kid ain't your friend, bro. We're taking his money, you know? And I'd be, like, all right, whatever." whatever. So I just, like, got into that mentality. But... You know, marijuana, I fell in love with, bro. I loved weed. But as soon as I got arrested for the first time, it was just coke. And then literally two years later was crack and <laughs>
1: pills. Yeah. Dude, isn't it funny? Like when, I don't know if this is for you, but when I got arrested, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I got put on probation, I knew that weed stayed in my system for 30 yeah. days. So I had to do something. Other oh, drugs. Yeah. yeah so. The same thing happened to me. <laughs>
0: I tell people all the time. It's like, as soon as I got arrested and started to piss in a cup, I was like, well, I can't smoke weed. So I'm just going to do coke.
1: Yeah. It literally turned me into like more of a coquette. strict crack monster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, when I was in that age, my stepdad ended up facing some like serious time. He got put on house arrest. Like I was selling weed and I used to have like kids from Heritage. I'd go there, sell my weed, whatever, make my quick 25 bucks off a half ounce, smoke for free. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like perfect. My mom didn't really bother me. You know, I knew at a very young age, as long as I knew this, if... I don't tell my the whole thing was if I got in trouble, my dad can't find out. So when I learned that we can't tell him anything, I knew that I could manipulate her for anything. Mm-hmm. You know? Like if I got in trouble, I'd be like, Well, I'm gonna tell dad and she'd be like, No, you're not, yeah. you know what I mean? So I'll never forget the first time I got caught selling weed. You know, I, I came home one night and I was just so stoned, you know. And I remember I used to walk in the house and then dart straight to my room. Of course. When I tried to make it to my room past the kitchen, she said, "Where are you going?" And I was like, "Uh," and I like stopped." she's like, "Come here." and it was funny i had when I walked in the it kitchen just reeked. I probably yeah. you know like and she was so naive to it, but like I walk in the kitchen, and it's like my sister, my stepdad, and my mom, and my grandma was there <laughs> in my drawer, I had a stack of Playboy magazines, mm-hmm. right. Um, so they had this stack of Playboy magazines, and I'm like, oh, man, I got caught for, you know, having porn in my room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so my stepdad then, like, takes this, like, sheet off the – like, there was, like, a little blanket on the counter. And takes this sheet off, and there's bags, my scale, and then there's, like – I think I had, like, a little less than a quarter of weed left, you mm-hmm. know, and money. And she's like, what is this? And I'm like, I smoke, like – you know, and she was like, um, my stepdad, of course, threw me right under the bus. He was like, you know, I would believe if you had a scale and you smoked so you didn't get robbed. But 250 baggies in a box. You know? <laughs> um, and I think I had like 225 bucks or something like saved. Like he was like, and the money. And like, I'll never forget. She was like, you're done. That's it. You're grounded. You're not going outside. And I remember everybody in the neighborhood when I told them thought I was a snitch Mm -hmm. like she's gonna tell our parents we can't fuck with you you know and like everyone kind of exiled me out right for a little bit so it was like right before summer and what I did was I tell my mom hey can I go to Sherry's house like I want to go to my aunt's house like I was grounded for the whole summer like going outside was not an option that summer but I was like hey I could go to my aunt's house you know so I'd call my aunt hey you know and she would let me come over um and I'd spend the weekend with her the crazy thing with her is uh The same thing, it was like all over from when I was like eight, when I drank that beer, half a beer and smoked that cigarette with her, you know, I'd go over there and she's like, what are you doing with weed? Like, she was like trying to scold me and like Mm -hmm. yell at me and be like firm. And then I'll never forget the end of like our conversation. She was like, if you're going to do it, you're doing it at my house. Yeah. And my eyes lit up. I was like, what? You know, she's like, how much weed do you want? (laughs) And like, that was it for the summer. I hung out at my aunt's. Um, I practically lived there all summer. I smoked weed all summer, listened to Sublime, Uh, like every morning we'd get up, go to Starbucks, I'd put on Sublime, light a joint, and I'd just cruise around with her. And that's where things got interesting because my aunt, um, her boyfriend at the time, and his best friend, they sold steroids and pills. I didn't really know what they, like, did. I knew that, like, we called him Shrek because he was just so swollen on steroids. (laughs) He looked like Shrek. Um, Shrek, I knew, worked in the doctor's office. Yeah. And then, like, my uncle worked on the beach, Fort Lauderdale Beach, and he did lawn, like, the beach chairs forever. So, like, the thing was, like, my aunt didn't work, so I just hung out with her. Her kidneys didn't go yet. It was right before or later. But I'd hang out with her and just, you know, get high. It's like, kite. I'll never forget. You know what Rush is like that sex-enhanced shit no. you sniff and it fucking. <laughs> you know? you never no. done that. What so. the
0: fuck? It's <laughs> from a gas station. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, they no, they sell them at like uh, sex shops and shit. No, they no, took no. it off the market for a little bit. Oh yeah. But when I was a kid, um, I found this. So she used to think it was funny to be like, "Hey, smell this," you know? No way! I swear to God. So oh, uh, how the, old were you? Uh, I had to be like 12. Oh my God. I was young as shit. And it was me, my sister, and my aunt. I'll never forget. I was standing up behind the couch and I smelt this stuff. It's like this little vial. It's like a bullet? Uh, No, it's just like this. Li- it's like that big. And uh-huh. it's like a little vial. You like, you screw it off um, and you smell the fumes, uh-huh. right? And it fucking light. It makes you, it turns your whole body hot and your head just feels like it's like, like as every like, like poppers yeah that's exactly that's what they call so it, probably it's, it it's poppers but oh, it's wow. called no, like, i've never done them before the bottle was called rush so i'll never forget i smelt that for the first time and i remember like standing there and like i couldn't stop laughing and then i <laughs> fell over and i hit the floor yeah and i remember like i was like my head like every time like I felt like every time my heartbeat, my head went like a balloon and like mm-hmm. blew up and came back and blew up and came back. And I remember standing up. It had to be – it's like a – I don't know, maybe a 30-second like little high. Uh-huh. Um, I remember standing up and they were all laughing at me and I grabbed the bottle and just start whiffing this shit. So the whole summer was weed and rushed, you wow. know. So that was when uh, I knew that I could – I wasn't a drinker when I was that age. They used to drink all the time. I watched a shit ton of cocaine get passed around. And like, that was kind of like my whole summer was just with them. You know, Mm -hmm. my mom didn't really care what I did. She was busy working. Um, And then she got pregnant with my little sister, my half sister. That's when I really knew that I could do whatever the fuck I want. You know, I knew that she was gonna be focused on her, that like, really, the doors are flying wide open now. So I played it really well they had my little sister and you know i was just always at the house my mom worked from home at the time and that's when things got started getting pretty serious because i went from i started selling weed again and it was like a game of cat and mouse so i remember when i was younger my aunt used to buy me bongs right Mm -hmm. so i would buy bongs for the neighborhood the kids in the neighborhood finally let me come back out with them because they knew like after that whole summer no one got in trouble they knew i didn't snitch right I used to have like get all these bongs. I used to put them in my backpack and I'd have like the tip of the bong hanging on the top yeah. and I'd put like a cloth around it and put a rubber band on it and ride my bike to, you know, the ridge and we'd just smoke. After we, they had my little sister, um, it was like a game of cat and mouse in the house. So I had all this weed, right? At that time I was selling like ounces, two ounces. I was making my way up, you know, mm-hmm. I had to be like 14 and I used to always be short. I was always short. You know, what mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I used to like wait all and then I'd be short on money. And I'm like, I'm fucking missing something. Like, am I really smoking that much? <laughs> you know, I'm like, am I fucking up my profit? You know? So what was happening was my stepdad was stealing weed from me. Oh my God. I, I didn't find this out either. until I was 18. That, that <laughs> whole time he was stealing weed from me. And then when my mom, if she came in my room and cleaned up my room, she would take whatever was in the room. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I came home one day blitzed again and she yelled my name she was in her bathroom and i'm like yeah you know i went running in there and she was sitting on top of the toilet and she had it was like an ounce and a quarter she had in her hand she's like what's this and just dumped it down the toilet and flushed it and i was like once again i'm on my ass you know so like that went on for a little bit i knew though if i no one my dad couldn't find out i knew like i'd be like i'm gonna tell dad you know and i'd like threaten her but after like my little sister was born, I just did whatever I want. I knew like if I showed up and participated, as long as I was kind of, I'd never disrespect her. I was really like, you know, I'd kiss her ass. I've always been a mama's boy, mm-hmm. you know, but the thing was I like smoking weed. So that went on like that whole cat and mouse. I stayed at my aunt's house when it wasn't until I was 14. I used to kind of, I didn't steal cars. There was a kid, <laughs> his mom would go out of town and she had a S S2000. Mm-hmm. And that was my first experience of kind of. I mean, we didn't steal the car. The kid gave us the car, but I'd have to go get him Xanax, you know? So we'd get him a shit ton of bars, and he would give us this S2000. Which is the dopest car to have back then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was purple drop top, you know? And he would give us this S2000, and I was 14, 15 years. I didn't even know how to drive stick shift at the time, you know? (laughs) Um, And I was like, yeah, I know how to drive stick and get in it and burn in that thing. Mm -hmm. Like, just demolished it. So my mom caught me one day pulling out of the neighborhood in the car she was pulling in and i was pulling out oh no just like i got home later and it's like i could have sworn i saw you driving i'm like what i wasn't driving what are you talking about and we used to park the car in the back of the neighborhood and just leave it there you know and sure as shit she like what she was walking with my little sister like she was little my mom was trying to burn like that baby fat off or mm-hmm. whatever she, like, got home. She's like, that's so weird. I swear that car is parked in the back of the neighborhood where, like, no one lives. I'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then it was, like, a couple days later, I was pulling out again, and she nailed me. Like, I had the window down. I was looking to the right. And when I looked to the left, she was stopped just staring at me. You know, that was, like, I, I, she was, like, she didn't really care. You know, she wow. was, like, she would yell at me and make like, this is unbelievable. You're going to get arrested, da, da, da. Um, but there was she no, must
0: have been who's fucking car yeah. you're driving. she's
1: like, "What are you doing in a car?" I'm like, "I don't know. My friend's mom gave it to us." You know, um, the thing was, she used to love uh, my buddy. We called him Nelly. You know, I'd be like, "Oh, it's Nelly's mom's car." You know, Nelly was a little bit older than me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like he kind of had a license. Like, you know, that was the year that things kind of things didn't get crazy for me until I was in my like late teens, early twenties, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, I only smoked weed, drank. The drinking came in when I was sixteen. Right before Wilma hit, my mom decided she's moving to Texas, Houston, Mm -hmm. right? And the custody battle between my mom and dad, my dad was smart. And when he signed the custody paperwork, my mom couldn't leave the Tri-County with me or my sister. Mm -hmm. When my mom moved to Texas, she was like, hey, I'm moving to Texas. I bought this huge-ass house with a movie theater, and you can't come. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you have to have your dad sign the paperwork. At that time— My baseball career at at Heritage died out. I had my mom pull me out of American Heritage. Mm -hmm. Like, my manipulation was so good that I convinced my mom to take me out of one of the best private schools. Mm -hmm. You know, like, technically, it's a good school with a lot of drugs. But, you know, she took me out of school, and I went to Western. And I I went there my sophomore year. Um, You were there sophomore year? Yeah. I was there for six months. Yeah, because
0: sophomore year, I was in military school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, was that freshman year? I can't even think of what year. Yeah, you got shipped off.
1: Yeah. I forgot about that. So when I went through my sophomore year, at this time, I had moved myself Yeah,
0: what's funny is when you tell this story, like my story, this is like the height of my (laughs) drug addiction. It's like ninth and 10th grade. That's the peak of it. Yeah, like in 10th grade, it gets so bad that I have to get clean or something. (laughs) Well, I mean, it started in sixth grade, so that's a decent run from
1: sixth to 10th grade. So uh, when I went to Western, the cool People thing, are always
0: like, why did you get clean? I was like, bro, there's like no other option at that yeah, point. What am I going to do yeah. at this
1: point? Yeah, that's crazy at being shipped off to military mm-hmm. school. They tried to do that shit to me. I don't even know where it was, but I freaked out. So when I went to Western, that was the same time my mom was like, I'm moving. It's funny that the security guard at Western- I mean, you know, Dennis. Dennis um, yeah, he, he, You know, he hits me up every year. He actually lived uh, the house across from me. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, like, his whole family I grew up with. His wow. sister, his older brother. His older brother you fucking, yeah, I've seen him beat people up, mm-hmm. you know, and then also beat me up. So, when I went to Western, I knew Dennis, you know, I could do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I knew if I wanted to leave school, I had to go to McDonald's and get him food and then yeah. come back. And, like, I was able to leave. So when I went to Western, I had no interest in school. You know, I stopped playing sports. What I was doing was I was skimboarding every day. And I would skip school every, like, just about every single day and go to the beach. You know, I'd go to school in the morning. I'd leave before fourth period, go to the beach all day. I thought I was just going to smoke weed, listen to Cottonmouth Kings and Sublime, (laughs) you know, for the rest of my life. Like, that was it. Be a beach bum. So when my mom moved to Texas, basically, it was kind of like, you guys can't come. I'm leaving and you got to have your dad sign the paperwork if you want to come. And my dad wasn't signing the fucking paperwork. So when I got forced to like move into my dad's house for the first time ever, I was 16, for the first time ever living with him, you know, like the only beliefs I had of my dad were of what my mom told me. And like, I thought he was this monster, you know? So when I moved in over there, that was different, man. I, I like moved in there. He had no idea what was going on in my life. You know, he had no idea like the extent of the trouble I've been in, the drug use, you know. He knew something was wrong. Cause was he- Was super strict? He, well, that's the thing is my whole life. I never had consequences, right? Mm-hmm. i never had a bike punishments, like a little bullshit. You can't go outside or you're grounded for the summer. Well, guess what? I'm going with my aunt, mm-hmm. you know, like that was like my like back and forth. Um, so when I moved in with my dad. He tried to be strict, but he was really like focused on his career. So he, I think, didn't know what to do with me and my sister moving in. It's like, hey, guess what? We're here. You know, never, he's lived a single life for, you know, the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then now he's got two shithead kids moving in with him. And like, he used to try, you know, he would let me to go to school in the morning. He would drop me off in the old neighborhood and then I'd go with Adam and we would just go to the beach. Like, that's what we did every day. So what I figured out then was when my mom moved the phone got disconnected from the school calling being like your son missed class So (laughs) what I did was I just stopped going to school like that was it, you know Right before I actually I left school and this is like the whole thing. Oh, we'll get into the funny stories of like arrest So I was like moving like qps. I was like making my way up me and alex were like thought we were like the kings like yeah We got eleven hundred dollars in our pocket. We're Mm -hmm. fucking young, you know and someone ratted us out at school. I came into school higher than a bitch. Like I was just so gone. And someone said that I had weed. I had a QP in this girl's car that used mm-hmm. to drive me to school. And I'll never forget. I was in the trailer by like the football field. And I remember seeing the secure. She was in the car, golf cart. I looked out the window and they were driving past. And I'm like, oh shit, you know. And they came and pulled me out of class and they searched the car. And this is like my luck. And this is like where the pattern started for me. Dennis was the one searching the fucking car. It was Dennis, Alex, and the other fucking security guard. Mm -hmm. Those two security guards each took one side of the car. And then Dennis took the trunk. And my shit was in the trunk. Mm -hmm. And he closed the trunk and was like, all right, now they got nothing. They pulled me in. They searched me. The cop talked to me. And I walked away scot-free and Dennis was like, you know, you owe me 20 bucks, you know, like that was like it <laughs> <laughs> and some cheeseburgers, you know? Dennis. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh shit. So that was like, really though, when I stopped going uh, to school it was right after that incident. So, you know, the day I went to go get my driver's license, I'll never forget this man. It was the day my dad took off of work. I was going to get my driver's license in the morning. We went and got my driver's license. He had gotten a phone call before we left the house. So we're driving, I'm all happy driving back with him in the car. And he gets like this, his demeanor changes. And he's like, so do you want to tell me where you've been? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, your counselor called and you have 94 absences in school. Where the fuck have you been? He was strict, man. He took my license, right? Mm. You're not leaving the house. I'm taking you to and from school. That's it. I'm picking you up. You're not going nowhere. His mistake, though, was after he said that, he was like, you're not going to school today. You're fucking staying home. So I got scolded. He left to go to his work. And I literally smashed everything in the house, packed up all my shit in bags and took off. My mom was in Texas and my aunt still lived here. So I made it to my aunt's house and I told her what was going on. And she was like my safety net, man. She was like, all right, leave your shit here. Me and my dad, he chased me for about two and a half weeks. Um, Now you got to think at the time, I had just turned 16. I sold weed, you know, so I was able to kind of float my moving around. Fend for
0: yourself. Yeah.
1: You know, I stayed with this girl at her mom's house in Weston. My dad showed up to my aunt's house every morning and night with the cop because his career, you know, he had like law enforcement that he's friends with trying to like get me. It was when next hells were out. (laughs) <laughs> i would chirp him and be like you gotta sign the paperwork you're not finding me and like we'd go back and forth but then i just stopped answering but the thing was the day that i ran away that day that i made it to my aunt's house it was winter time and the skim like at at the jetties was going off was mm-hmm. so funny the skim at the jetties was going, going off <laughs> like it was that was it that was the time of year it was like february But that day that I ran away, I decided to eat a bunch of mushrooms for the first time ever in my life. Mm. And I literally laid on the beach with Grant and Adam and Pauly. We literally laid on the beach and just stared at the sky. And I mean, I couldn't tell you to this day how long I laid there. I mean, I remember like getting up and I was like, and the day was over. You know, I'm like running from my dad, made it to my aunt's house. And then, you know, I kind of just ran from there. So it was a solid two and a half weeks of running from him. And then finally he was like, I want you to be safe because he had no idea where I was staying. And I was bouncing around from friend's house to friend's house. I'd go to my aunt's house only to grab clothes or something that I needed. And then I'd go back out and run around. So I remember I was going to the house with Denise one afternoon. And I remember pulling into my aunt's driveway and my dad was down the street parked in the swale. And like we looked at each other and I saw his car come out. And I took off on foot and I just fenced, fenced. And, um, you know, when I ran from him, finally he called me and he was like, listen, if you want to go to Texas, I'll sign the paperwork, but you can't do this anymore. So he signed the paperwork and I fucking flew out to Texas. The weird thing was when I flew, this is how you know, like I was fucked up when I was younger, right? I didn't realize consequences, right? So like you said, when we used to rob people when we were younger, I was going to Texas and I was like, I don't know how I could smoke in Texas. I know nobody, you Mm -hmm. know. I ended up taking from this kid a half ounce of weed, right? And I don't even know why I took it from him because, like, I had weed at my aunt's house in the freezer, Mm -hmm. you know. I took a half ounce from him and I literally taped a half ounce of weed to my inner thigh – up under my gooch, right? This is the worst. I duct tape it, mm-hmm. get dropped off at the airport, go through. I literally went through the airport. I knew if I just went, I'll never forget, I had a Jordan jersey on, gym shorts, and sandals, right? My backpack had like really nothing in it and a hat. Dude, every step I took pulled the hair out. Oh, my God. You know, God. so I'm like oh, trying to walk through security. I made it on the plane. You know, there was this lady sitting next to me. She was like Samoan or some shit. She's like 500 pounds and just smelt like an onion. And I'm, like, sitting in the window, jammed in the window, and I'm trying to pull it off because, like, it was so – like, any way I moved, I just had hair getting ripped out. Why do just, like, just go to the bathroom and pull it off? Because I was afraid to go past this lady, and then it's smelling. You know, oh, like, I, I was, f- like, freaking out. I was 16 years old. <laughs> so, like, when I made it to Houston, that was a whole nother, whole nother realm of trouble. So long story short, in Houston, I got tied up with a bunch of gangs. I got beat up, shot at. I don't know how – I ended up in this fucking environment out there of... Like, in South Florida, like, we don't have, like, really gangs. Like, there's gangs, right? But it's not, like, divided by a fucking lot. Street, yeah. Yeah, like... When I first moved to Texas... I have zero experience in Florida with gangs. Yeah. You know
0: what I mean? I've just never... Like, to me, it's, like, not a thing growing up. And I'm not mm. saying that it's not. I just never saw it going on. Yeah, like, we knew of, like, all right, there's, like, Zopound. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we knew there's, like, <laughs> Zopound that sell dope in Overtown or something, you know?
1: Yeah, like, we knew. Like, that's what we knew. So, when I moved to Texas, it was when Dickies were out. I had a pair of blue Dickies on. I was at a gas station, these fucking two cars box me in, right? And these two kids run up on me and they're like, what you claiming what you're set? And I'm like, I had no fucking clue what he, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And like the kid like pushed me up against my car and like pulled his hip, and I could see like the butt of a gun. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like I was just stuck. So You're like, bro, I skimboard. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm a surfer, dude. Leave me alone. <laughs> I just like dickies. <laughs> um so that was my first experience with, like, gangs out there uh, was that one. So, and then, like, as I was in there, of course, being the good addict of what you could say, uh, in school, I figured out, like, who the people were, what the crowd was, you know, what do I have to do to, like, kind of get in with them. The cool part was my neighbor in Texas owned a nightclub in Alabama, and he was young, and he had, like, all this bread, jewelry, nice cars, so when I had that half ounce, I, I was down to, like, my last, like, half eighth. I think I had, like, a gram left of mm-hmm. the—I I was literally—that half ounce I took was, like, by crumbs smoking mm-hmm. out there until I could find more trees. Um, and I was smoking one day in my backyard. I'm, like, smoking, and this fucking head comes over the fence— dude, I shit my pants, you know, like I'm sitting there all quietly in my backyard and his head pops is he like, what's up, dude? And he's like, no, I'm not going to tell your mom. He's like, you got any more of that? And I'm like, and I just like passed him the joint. Me and him became cool. Like that was it. You know, he's like, can you get me some? And I'm like, I mean, I could try. So when I went to school the next day, he had given me $400 and he's like, yo, if you could find it, here's 400, get me what you can. I'll take a quarter. You keep the rest. And I'm like, what the fuck? So, like, I started, I found weed, like, immediately after that for him. That dude was a huge part of my Houston experience because he funded everything for me. You know, like, anything I wanted, he gave it to me. Um, I'd ask him for anything. Gave me, like, all the codes to his house. He just had mad cash, like, all the time. So then I got, like, gang affiliated. I fell in love, right? (laughs) I fell in love with this shit. you would be falling in love a lot. Nah, this one was this, <laughs> this one was a good one. You, you know what happens is I fall in love right with maybe four five and because of the damage since that like of all how they all end, I'm like absolutely not we're not going down this road so anyways, I fell in love her like ex was affiliated with like bloods like there was just so like TV Johnny like at the end of my where my mom lived in the cul-de-sac trade the truth lived there the rapper. Mm-hmm. So he was like the head of like a asshole by nature gang, uh, which in Texas, it's like it's where like the Bloods and Crips kind of came together, mm-hmm. you know, because you had now, you know, the Mexican Mafia, MS-13, all that shit out there. So they lived in like literally the next street over in the cul-de-sac. It had to be like 10 houses from my house. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of started hanging out. There was one of the rappers that I was cool with, right? I never really like hung out exactly like with Trey, the truth, but I'd hang out with like his associates, like the guys that are all in the gangs. And they kind of schooled me on like, what the fuck's going on? What it's like out here, who to stay away from, what to do. And that's when like shit, man, like within a six month period, I got my ass beat probably every 10 days. I was getting beat up the night before Thanksgiving. We got in a fight at a house party And the kids, there was this gang, right? They were called Smash Click. Yeah, like we all make fun of Smash Click, talking shit, right? Worst experience. There was this bowling alley that was like kind of in the sticks right off the highway. And there was a long extension road to get to the, uh, that was like a dead end. And we were all like, yeah, meet us over here, da, da, da. So it was like me, I had four people in, in my mom's car. I think there was like four different cars. There was maybe 12 of us, 13 of us. Dude, all of a sudden, like, because it was, like, off the highway, like, you could see the cars coming in. It was one way, you know. It was, like, dark. You're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Dude, all of a sudden, you see this line of cars. When I say, like, line of cars, it had to be, like, 10, 15 cars. And I'm just like, oh, shit. I thought they were going to the bowling alley. They blocked off the road. And when they blocked off the road, they put all their headlights on us. So I couldn't see shit, Mm -hmm. you know. Like, you just have a shadow coming Mm -hmm. towards you. Dude, and we got our ass beat so bad that night. And I remember it was the night before Thanksgiving. It was like the night or two nights before Thanksgiving. My house was the closest house. So after all of us got our ass beat, we made it to my mom's house. And like, when I say, like, one of my, the kid that lived out there, Adam with me, dude, he got. Beat up so bad, like his whole face was for the right side of his face was like fractured completely. Like his eye socket, his nose was pushed over. We were just like leaking in blood. I went, we got to my mom's house. She calls nine one one. You know, we're they're rushed to the hospital. I had fucking broken my nose. Um, I, I had bruised ribs, and my mom was like, "I'm not doing this with you." You know, like, this is not happening. This is, like, the third time that you've come in home, like, badly beat up like this. This is ridiculous. Um, shortly after that, I tried to rob this kid that was flashing, like, 15K. His dad had mad cash dashed. We tried to rob him. And what happened was when I set up the robbery—I probably shouldn't be saying this. Uh, <laughs> when I kind of set it up, I ended up getting fucked, and they tried to rob me. So what happened was I got shot at for the first time. That was the first time i ever been—like— mm-hmm. Dude, and it sounds like bees humming, and like I'll never forget running, and seeing these sparks off the floor. You know, mm-hmm. I you know shortly after that was like it was all before Christmas. All this shit happened. So from Thanksgiving to Christmas, I was like bam, bam, bam. Then I got kicked out of all Houston schools. I had ether on me, and I used to huff it in school. And the kid next to me fell out, and then he stood up. He's like, he's got it. So they kicked me out of all Houston schools for fucking for having a bomb. And then like the next weekend after that, I got arrested in Houston. When I got arrested in Houston, I was 17, I was talking mad shit to the cop, I was so barred out. I'm like, fuck you, I'm a juvenile, Da da da. And I remember the cop was like in the state, she looked at my ID she goes, sorry, honey, in the state of Texas at 17, you're an adult. And I remember just falling back into the seat and just like, um, I went to Harris County Jail and I didn't have anybody to call. I, I couldn't call my mom because it was out of area code. Somehow there was a, my mom tried to have an intervention after the first fight in uh, Thanksgiving. Um, and a cop came to the house and he was like, this is the road you're going on. The, I know the gang members who you're affiliated mm-hmm. with. Somehow I was, I don't even know how long I was in that jail. Some dude woke me up and he's like, dude, you alive? And like, I guess I was just out. And that cop happened to walk by and he like looked at me and he was like, does your mom know you're here? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. I don't even know how many days I've been sleeping for. And, you know, they got me out of jail. And after that, my mom's like, yo, you're going back to Florida. This is it, you know, came back here, tried to live with my dad. I got arrested. <laughs> like immediately at a will G's army hose and GI Joe's party mm-hmm. that, that night. Um, when I got arrested from there, my dad picked me up. So I was on probation in Houston. I get arrested in Davie and I'm thinking I'm going back to fucking Houston for a violation of probation. You know, I got caught. I think I had like three ounces on me. Cops took me to the Davie police station and it was weird. They didn't book me or cuff me. I sat at a table with them and they did paperwork and there was like a bunch of them around me. And they were just all talking shit. It was like three o'clock in the morning. Um, next thing you know, you know, my dad comes walking in the room and they let me go with my dad. You know, a lot of people don't know, like my dad was, um, my dad was a fire chief, you know, and like had a lot of connections in pool for his name and his reputation. So they let me go with him. And then that was kind of like the track record, man. Like, that's what would happen to me constantly. I'd get arrested. They would find out who my dad was. And then they would let me go. I lived with my aunt. I went back to selling drugs. My sister, when I came back from Houston, she bought me a half ounce of weed. And I just took off with it. And, like, really my lifestyle from 16 until 19, I was living on my own. Um, at My aunt's house was my stash house. I was moving a shit ton of weed. Mm-hmm. When I was moving the weed, my uncles, I'd go to my uncle, you know, I'd hang out my aunts as my uncles, and I'd, like, have a backpack with, like, QPs, half pounds, and I'm running around town making all these stops. My uncle one day was like, what the fuck you doing driving with all this shit, you know? And he's, like, telling me, like, you're wasting your time. He's like, dude, all this shit that you're selling that you can't even fucking hide if you get pulled over, you're going to fucking jail and, and going to probably do some time. And he put a vial on the table, and he's like, this is where the money's at. And I was like, fuck is that, you know, and it was fucking Roxy's, you know, and I was like, hmm, you know, I didn't, at the time I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to do that. That's not what I'm about. Um, at the time, you know, I sold weed, X, acid, and cocaine. I didn't want to get into the pills. My brother-in-law actually started hustling for my uncle. I mean, he'd make a couple trips here and there, and then he would have like racks on him, mm-hmm. And I would be like, dude, I'm running around literally from sunup to sundown. And like, you're making more money than me right now. Like, what the fuck's going on? And I'm selling all these different drugs. So my it was Shrek that was like, he came over one day and he's like, listen, I'm going to give you an address. Meet me here. Come to my office. So I was like, all right. I thought I was going to Tootsie's because he's like, go to Tootsie's, right? Well, his office was like literally across the street from Tootsie's. And he's like, all right, come in with me. I go in this room. He fills out this paperwork. Now, my whole life, I had no idea what Shrek did for work. I knew he worked in the medical field, right? He filled out this paperwork. He's like, has your knee? Has your hip? And I'm like, your ankle's broken, right? And like he's like, Oh, your ACL is it? And I'm like, what the fuck's he talking about? Fucking this doctor comes in. He's like, okay, here. He, he literally like grabbed my leg, pulled it. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's in bad shape. And I'm just like, I guess I got a little bit of knee pain, you know. Well, he's <laughs> that naive, you had no idea what was going no, on. Like no clue, <laughs> oh you, my God. you know. And he was like, I go to leave the doctor's office and they're like it's $410. I'm like, $410 for what? You know, he pulled my fucking knee, you know. Wow, you're retarded. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I leave with this bag. And when I leave with the bag, he calls me and he's like, go to the house. I'll meet you at the house. So I go home. That was my first experience with Roxy's, right? So he was like, give me, I think I gave him like 20 of them, right? And he's like, here, sell these. You'll make your money back. I think I was charging six bucks a pill. Hmm. I had no clientele. I literally had all these pills and I didn't know who the fuck this them to, right? So what happened was I started going to his office. How old were you? 18, 19.
0: It's so crazy, because, like, when I think about it, like, I was already clean, like, two years. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I was already, like, dumb. You're jokes. living your best life, and I'm yeah. over here just getting warmed up. Wow. So, I, yeah, I think I was, like, 19, because that was the complication. Like, you're not even 20, like, you know, the doctor. Yeah. So that kind of set it off for me, man. What ended up happening was I got arrested for a charge I did not commit, really didn't, you know, but I was a part of a, sure. a robbery, you mm-hmm. know. Um, And what ended up happening was my buddy tried to rob this kid for a half pound. And back like when I was at that age and I lived on my own, I had different friends that did different things. Obviously I had a group of friends that would literally rip everybody off and then like would come to me and I would break them off, you Mm -hmm. know, bread for it. So, you know, he tried to get this kid for like a half. It went sideways. And I told him he was so like barred up that day. I was like, listen, only take weed. Do not take anything else from him. You know what I mean? He ended up taking his cell phone. He took his iPod, Mm -hmm. his cell phone. I picked him up from the house, whatever. Uh, I was going to my aunt's house. You know, he had told me, like, he's like, I didn't get the weed, but I got this. And I'm like, dude, like, I I remember I stopped my car and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And the kid that he was robbing, I knew. And we passed him when I was pulling out of the neighborhood. And like, I was like, why the fuck is he over here? So what did he take? He only took. The, his cell phone mm-hmm. and his iPod, iPod. right? not take anything else? Nothing. Like, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, yeah, I get like 200 bucks for this thing. You know, I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And he was so, dude, when I picked this kid up, it was the funniest shit. This is how gone he was. I meet him at the end of the street and he comes running like full speed. I see him in my rear view mirror. He thought, and this is why I knew I was fucked. Mm-hmm. He thought he could jump like literally into the bed of my truck. Mm -hmm. This kid hit it like full speed, like missed the jump, ran into my tailgate, hit the tailgate and just fell back. And all I saw was fingers on my tailgate. Mm -hmm. And like, that was when shit hit the fan for me, man. Like I got arrested that day. I've never been manhandled so bad in my life. The cop literally ripped me through my window by my neck, like my neck Mm -hmm. and my collar, just yoked me out the car. And the cops were like, oh, just tell us what happened, da da da. And I was like, I didn't know what, what the fuck was going on, you know? So basically, I got charged for a capital strong arm robbery. And like, I go, they booked me, they give me my booking sheet, mm-hmm. and I got no bond. And I'm like, what do you mean no bond? You know, I was 18, 19 years old, 19 years old. Dude, I remember going to my cell and just crying. Like, you know, how am I gonna get out of here? Like, I can't, I was in love with another girl, right? <laughs> I remember just like crying. And then my attorney came to see me, which my attorney, so here's the irony of the whole thing, ready? The cop that arrested me for that charge was the same cop that arrested my stepdad hmm. fucking years prior, right? When I, I'm sitting in jail, whatever, finally I got like a bond hearing, I, I go to court, you know, I, I get out. And that's when shit kinda got sideways for me because like I go to probation, I have to take a drug test, right? The lady goes to me, do you take any prescription medications? And I like looked at her and I'm like, holy shit, I do. You know, my uncle gives me fucking Mm -hmm. scripts. So I I knew that I could take those things, you know, and not get in trouble for it. But I really wanted to still smoke weed. Mm -hmm. Through that journey of that arrest, I was on house arrest for mad long. I signed up for college just to get out of the house. And with that came a lot of the chick broke up with me. You know, that was like my heartbreak. Right. I was like fucking devastated. So I ended up beating the case. I took it all the way. I beat the case. Get off. And what ends up happening, man, was I started. I'll never forget. It was like when Passions was open. Mm -hmm. Like I got off house arrest. I'm at Passions. I'm like, hey, I was 19 years old. I had a fake ID. The name was Jose Alvarez right? This kid looked identical to me, right? Um, I had that fake ID from 19 all the way until I turned 21. So I started, like after that breakup, I went to a blackout drunk. Like that was it. I did coke blackout drunk, Really, what ended up happening for me, man, was I'll never forget. I was going to work. um, I was selling blues. I had at my friend's house was my safe house. I was still dealing with my uncle. And I had like literally I would take two to three people down there a week. I'd get broken off. Like it was like, you know, the pill mill, how it goes. Like you take Mm -hmm. this one, take that one, take this one. I had a stash of pills at somebody's house. I didn't even know what to do with them. And I'll never forget, I snorted my first Roxy. I was on uh, Knob Hill and 25th Court driving to work. I'll never forget, I snorted it and it was like my life changed. Like I was just like, like I picked my head up and I was like, holy shit. And that's when like shit like really started like unfolding for me in like a crazy aspect. Um, You know, my sister was hooked at the time. She ended up robbing me for a bunch of shit. It was just like, that was when the pill mill was blooming. Everybody's robbing everybody. You're beat on this. You're beat on that. You probably had five years clean. Yeah, I was already
0: <laughs> uh, speaking at meetings and sponsoring yeah. people.
1: <laughs> so it was just like a mega shitstorm. storm. You know, my dad tried to help me, tried to stop me. Um, and I just continued to use. I got arrested. So my thing is, I have over like seven run-ins with the law of being pulled over with guns, massive amounts, of like decent amounts of drugs, half pound, quarter pound, a shit ton of pills and never get in trouble. I'd never been arrested for like a drug trafficking, anything like that. So at that time is when I met my daughter's mother. And here's where it all, (laughs) for me, like just douche. So when I met my daughter's mother was through my sister. I was selling my sister pills. She had a friend selling her pills. I'll never forget. I used to give her mad pills. She would come give me like a hundred bucks and I'd give her like, I don't know, 15 or 20 pills like here. And then like, I started doing them little by little, a little half, a little more. And then it just started kind of accumulating. And, you know, at that time, that was when like, I realized, I'll never forget, I got out of jail for a violation of probation. I had 20 of them left. Someone called me for 17 of them. And I told them I don't have it. And that's when I knew like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. So with my uncles, with everything going on, I was okay because like, I had the, like an unlimited supply. You know, over the time I ended up, you know, there was a lot of drug uh, trafficking from here to Tennessee. I met people in Tennessee. The most amount of money I've ever made in my life was with these kids that would drive down. That really like turned it up for me. Um, It wasn't until my daughter's mother got pregnant and I decided I'm going to stop selling drugs. You know, I was like, I'm not going to prison for this. The feds, there was a whole bunch of shit going on. People getting arrested really close to me. The grow houses we had were getting fucking busted. I stopped selling and then the drugs ran out. And then I had the fucking problem, you know? Then I started selling everything, you know, all my personal shit. And then, like, I started robbing everybody. So my name wasn't even good enough to kind of really jump back into the game because, Mm -hmm. like, I had left on kind of a dirty foot. And that's where, you know, like, I I was engaged. I was supposed to be this white fucking picket fence. Like, we're buying a house, all this good shit. And then I got in a motorcycle accident. The motorcycle accident was one of the worst things that's, like, happened to me because there was a bunch of consequences that came with it. Because of the accident, I ended up getting, like, $120,000 for a settlement. At 20 years old, you don't give a 20-year-old fucking $120,000. Well, like not your ass. <laughs> not a drug addict,
0: you know, that just stops selling drugs that has an uh-huh. no opiate addiction. You know what's crazy is that I like, when I was using it, I would, like, wish stuff like this happened yeah. to me. You know? Like, I'm, like, wishing. Because I remember being clean and people telling me, like, oh, yeah, Matty D's get all these pills. And, and he doesn't get arrested for anything. Nothing. And I remember just being, like... God, like it was like, (laughs) man, how come when I use it so shitty so So fast? It's like, bro, like after four days of using, I'm like at a coin store. I'm dope sick. I'm fucking like looking for $5. I'm like at a crack house begging someone for a hit. Trying to get a cash. (laughs) It's on a job you don't even (laughs) have. And I'm just like, what the fuck? When I use, it's just like instant Dung. whatever it's your and i remember
1: just being like tim
0: that's over here it was lots. definitely
1: because like the my family so it was because like i had no consequences because my dad my aunt had all the pills you know my uncles so it was like a perfect recipe so you got 120 grand at one time no 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 so, so they the, gave it to you monthly no so the attorney knew that so this is what happened when i got in the motorcycle accident my collarbone's fake the bone wasn't sticking out of the skin but you could see the bone popping out mm-hmm. right so I'm afraid of surgery. I was afraid of needles and definitely not fucking getting surgery. I was I'm petrified of that shit. you were scared of surgery? Yeah, I'm wow. like deathly petrified from it. So my attorney was like, I'll never forget he called me and this was within a 3-month window from the accident, right? Mm-hmm. Calls me and he's like, look, you got a kid on the way, da da da. He's like, if you want to settle right now, you know, I get you 35,000. He goes, "But if you get surgery, I could get you 120." And I said, Where do I sign? (laughs) You know, it was like a no brainer. Dude, the crazy thing was, this is like how bad it got for me. I sent Amanda when I got surgery to go get a hundred pills for me from my uncle, right? So when I was in surgery, they had me on the morphine drip. They cut me open, had to take bone from my hip, put it there. The doctor's like, you're down for eight weeks. You're not walking. Your hip's fucked up and you got a new collarbone. Dude, it hurt if it was so bad, the pain. So after the surgery, um, they had a morphine drip. I was fucking dying in pain, right? The doctor's like, oh, we're getting," And I would press the button every fucking three or six minutes, I was like, think, 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 think. And I, I wasn't feeling nothing. Uh, Amanda showed up to the hospital with the 100 and I just started blowing them down, right? Um, so the doctor comes in, they're like, all right, we're gonna take you off the morphine drip. I'm like, cool. They take the IV or whatever out of my arm. Dude, all this fluid just hits the floor. Mm-hmm. And the nurse looks at me, she goes, holy shit the iv was clogged from when they lift me off the operating table and it kinked the fucking thing so i wasn't getting getting any any morphine no oh my god she's like you're really in pain i'm like no shit but a man had gotten there with all the pills so i just started blowing them down man i did those uh snorting them yeah I didn't start shooting until way later down the road for me. Mm -hmm. But I did those 100 within three days. Mm -hmm. And I walked out of the hospital in three days. And they thought I was crazy. They're like, you can't walk. I'm like trying to go smoke Mm -hmm. a cigarette. Dude, I conned the valet guy to pick me up and put me in the car to take me to Publix to go get cigarettes. Mm. It was priceless. So I got all this bread, spent it. I was done selling drugs. But it was just a mess, man. And uh, I had my daughter. And that's when shit got real for me. I had my kid. um, I was there for that. Right after I had her, I got high. Like the next fucking day, I started using me and Amanda both. We were living at my mom's house. My mom saw what was going on. I went back to work right away. And my mom was actually the one that called DCF on us. Hmm. I'll never forget. DCF showed up at the house one day at my mom's house. And like, you guys got to go take a drug test. We got complaints from somebody that your kid's in danger. And we failed the drug test. Instead of being like, oh, let's take care of this. And what we do, we went from taking, failing the drug test, went and caught more pills and just fucking went on like a, I don't know, a day, a day run. And then within two days I was in treatment. Mm-hmm. That was my first introduction to any type of getting help.
0: Recovery or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. Did you ever think of like,
1: did you know that I was clean or anything like that? So that's the crazy thing. I'll never forget. I saw you. So my first interaction of where recovery looked attractive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was so sick at Destination Hope. They're like, we're going to a meeting. <laughs> actually, I actually had one experience prior to Destination Hope. I went to Bark. Mm-hmm. Fucking Abraham came in and spoke, yeah, yeah. right? And I was just like, I was sitting there after he spoke. I was like, this ain't for me. I walked up and left, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I don't smoke crack. I snort Roxy's and snort some cocaine. Like drugs aren't uh, like, I just need to lower my tolerance. At Destination Hope, I'm dying. I sit on that couch and you had people walk – young people walk around that meeting. Bam, you know, yeah,
0: all, that yeah, whole that crowd. That whole crew of people.
1: Everyone's happy, laughing. I believe you spoke while I was in treatment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, he's fucking clean. <laughs> like I had no idea that you were in recovery. You know, and, and that's like – that was my introduction 2012 to any type of recovery and it, that it was even possible. Mm-hmm. From yeah, because I used to use with Amanda. Yeah, you carry Amanda like that was like the whole like squad. I remember she used to, she used to hate me so bad. She'd be like, "Why the fuck are we with this kid right now?" <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. I used to hear stories. She would tell me stories all the time, of, like Butler yeah. and, like locking himself in the bathroom mm-hmm. and people are coming. So that was my first introduction. I wish I I could say that was it for me. Ah, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, I struggled, man. You know, at, at the end of the day, I got when I came into recovery, I was only snorting things. When the custody, the thing was with the custody of my daughter, and it's taken me a lot of work to get to the point to admit that, you know, I was completely couldn't deal with the feelings of losing my daughter. For years, I couldn't look myself in the mirror and be okay with where I was at, you know? And like knowing my daughter was just taken from me, any type of man, like I just couldn't do it. You know, and that shame, guilt, remorse, anger, you know, instead of like trying to deal with it, I just fucking buried it. You know, and for years, man, like I did that, you know, I got involved. I went from snorting, shooting, smoking, you know, if it could fit in a fucking rig, I'm hitting it. So from 2012 to 2000, I got clean 2017. But from there, so many treatments, so many detoxes, like, I was the kid, and I'm sure you know that. And when you say so many, it's like 50 plus. Yeah. Like I got over 56 admissions just to detox and 40, I think 47 admissions to treatment. Mm -hmm. You know, like my insurance card was on fire. Then the insurance ran out and I'm begging everybody for scholarships. Nobody ever thought I'd get clean. One of the big explosions for me was when Mike Bone died in my house. When that happened, that blew me through the roof. I didn't want to come back to recovery. I had survivor guilt, all that. And then finally, man, I, I continue to run. And I'll never forget, I called Alex. I was like, I was on the and Subutex, Xanax maintenance from 2016 <laughs> to like the beginning of 17 or whatever, and I'll never forget, my whole life, I've never been suicidal or anything like that. And, and I, I used to, like, bust your balls about that. Always. Moment. My dead dogs got more <laughs> clean time than you. And,
0: like, just so people know that, like, you know, if someone's on maintenance drugs, like, I'm not really trying to, like, put them down or whatever. Like, I'm glad you're, you know, not on heroin, you know, fentanyl or some shit. But, like, I truly believe that anybody can get clean. So I just feel like when people are on maintenance drugs that they're just setting the bar so low. Like, I thought that you could get clean, you know. And, yeah. and a lot of people didn't. You know, yeah. a lot of people were like, Oh yeah, Matty Deed <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> Good luck with that kid, yeah, you know? Absolutely never. and um you know, I take that shit personal because people said that about me. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing people like, Psh, "Yeah,
1: he's beyond help. I'm not helping him anymore." You know? Yeah, get him away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like the. So I never want to forget this. It was February 5th. I woke up one morning. I was living at my dad's house. You know, I had no consequences of like going to get help. I was stealing, dude. I would rip the TVs off the wall in my dad's house, mm-hmm. and he would come home and be like, "Where the fuck's the TV?" And be like, "I don't know. Someone took it." <laughs> you know, like, and it was insane. So February 5th, I woke up that morning. I never want to forget this for the first time ever. When I woke up that morning, I was like, I'm just gonna end it. I'm gonna commit suicide. This is it for me. For some reason, he was home. I walked into the kitchen. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm literally gonna kill myself today or I'm gonna get help. Um, And he freaked out, you know? And he's like, what could we do? Where do we go? You know, and it's weird. I called like Drew, I called Alex and Alex was like, I think I could help you. Can you hold on? And that was like a little bit of hope, you Mm -hmm. know? you know what ended up happening man was you know alex called me he got me to some bootleg i thought i was being sold on the black market detox (laughs) but it worked um and then i came with you know with you and um it's crazy man like seriously like i don't endorse or want to like broadcast but like literally like urp saved my fucking life thank you bro for an addict like me where i was completely like been through the ringer You know, it saved my life. It started the journey for me. My whole life from all the toxin and craziness, I did a lot of work, has changed. I know we're running out of time. So what I'm going to fast forward to is in the four years that I've been clean now, my whole life's changed. My dreams changed. My With the things that I like, my acceptance of myself, I have custody back of my daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in the music industry. People think I'm fucking crazy. Dude, I was in the nightclub last night to five o'clock in the morning. Like that's Mm -hmm. what I do for fucking work. Like, it's amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. I just started my own business. You know, I think about it some days, man, like, literally from, s- like, every night, the one thing for me, man, is my spirituality. Like, I pray, like, God has filled my heart, you know? And for me, that's just, like, what works for me, you know? Like, my spirituality, you know, working with Will saved my fucking life. Who's <laughs> is your sponsor. Yeah fucking saved my life and then in the beginning man i grind it i put the work in mm-hmm. you know the first two years of my recovery i fucking grind it and it's, it's given me the ability to do what i want today so for people that
0: are listening you know like um so i know what you're saying because you know we know each other yeah but like you know for people that don't know it's like how did you go from going to 50 treatment centers not being able to stay clean and now you stay clean and you say oh well i put the work in like what does that
1: mean I was able to sit down and look at myself instead of hiding. You know, I was able to write about, you know, the questions, the step work. You know, I worked on the step working guide and that's what worked for me. And prior, you never did that. Never did that. You know, and for the first time, I was completely fucking honest with somebody, like about everything. I was so honest with Will because... I went on a sponsorship retreat mm-hmm, trying, to, yeah, trying to detox. Everyone knows that story. So anyways, like working with Will in that when I went on that vacation with him, uh, the only thing I heard that whole weekend was he told me it was until you get 100% honest, you can't get the 100% help you need. And that's something that's always stuck with me now. And I know that like my honesty could free me from everything. Do I still struggle today? Absolutely. Do I still struggle sometimes with like negative self-talk, self-worth, self-esteem, Absolutely, you know, and the cool thing is, I'm okay to say that I'm not okay. And that's what I've learned. Like, I don't have to mask or hide or boast or, you know, it's okay sometimes. You know, my life today, man, it's truly like when I pray at night, you know, everything's changed, man. Like, especially when people are at my house and I fucking drop to my knees and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, just shut up, you know? But my prayers changed. The freedom that I have and the joy. I wish I could give this gift to somebody. I truly do. I wish like I could just give it to somebody, but I wouldn't want to do that because I don't want to rob them of the journey. You know, and my journey to get where I'm at today is completely fucking beautiful. You know, if it wasn't for people like you, even though we we like cross paths when we were younger, but you were like the hope. Like every time I came back and came back, you were still clean. Matt was still clean, you know? And I'm like, this shit really has to work, Mm -hmm. you know? For me, man, like we've lost so many people right mm-hmm. close friends you yeah, know? We're, we're both going to a memorial today yeah you know and it's just like it sucks because uh i think of it you know like when bone died or all oh, these people are dying i'm like damn man like what could i have done different how could i have helped one more person mm-hmm. you know what can i do to like show people like not to give up i mean you know what i deal with with my daughter's mother you know mm-hmm. i mean dude like years of dealing with it you know and it sucks man you know i actually she's in treatment right now And I look at my daughter, and I'm like, what the fuck would I say to her? Yeah, bro, it was
0: so crazy, because when I would, like, visit you in treatment, you always had, like, this smile about you, like, shit was all right. And I used to be like... Bro, shit's not yeah, okay. You, you know, know what I mean? Tell like, me, like, bro, what, what are you what are smiling, you smiling about, bro? Your life sucks. Yeah. Like, bro, this shit is bad, bro. Your daughter is coming to visit you with supervision. This is how she has a relationship with you, bro. Yep. Is fucking, let's go visit dad in treatment yep. for a second, you know? And I remember people think that I like kids. I really don't like kids. I'm not like a kid person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, people think like, okay, like, I really... Have like a low tolerance for kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but bro, your kid is so cute. And I remember just seeing how like nice she was and cute she was, and just like my heart really breaking and just being like, oh my God, Matt, like, yeah. To see you guys together now is like so cool.
1: Dude, I surprised her the other day and picked her up from school. Mm-hmm. Dude, her look on her face. You know, like I can't, like, it's just like, holy shit. Like, have I missed this for so many years? Dude, I was in treatment for her fifth birthday. Remember I was fighting with Pat? I was like, I'm fucking leaving by her birthday. I'm out of here. You know, that decision I made to stay, I think, molded my recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, for once, I was like, all right. I've never completed anything in my entire life. Let me just complete this on the right foot. Yes,
0: you know? I always try, it. so it's not about being there on the fifth birthday, it's about being there for the other yep. 50, you know yeah. what I mean?
1: So and, it's like- That's the gift, man. I've been, you know, like when I picked her from school the other day, man, there's nothing, and she's getting older now. She knows what's going on, you know, with her mom. Um, I try to give her a, a little bit of information when she asked, but you know, it's at that stage now where, uh, you know, I'm trying to gain this summer coming up, I'm trying to push into really getting her completely, you know? Mm -hmm. Dude, I I like, I just started a business. It's like, to me, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it's crazy. Like, the music industry, and I truly realized that anything, because I have the ability to obsess and compulse,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I used to do it with drugs, but now I do it with things that are going to benefit my life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm sure you can relate of like, you see, you're like, I got to get it. It's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And that's like the truly the gift, man. Like if it wasn't for, like I said, people like you um, that have stayed, that showed me like that hope, Mm -hmm. you know, and knowing that like you could truly change. And you know, a lot of people like, when my aunt, my grandma passed away, man, like I did the whole funeral thing for them. My mom came to me and was like, you're holding the family together. I didn't know where my mom lived when she moved. I didn't know where she moved for two years. She wouldn't tell me she'd meet me at a gas station if I needed five bucks. That's so funny. You know, like, so it's like, it's, um, it's truly a gift, man. Like I said, I wish I could give it to people, but I wouldn't want to rob them of the journey. You know? Well, I appreciate you, bro. Thanks for coming on. Hell Has an exit. Absolutely. Thank Love you, you bro. for having me. Love you.
0: This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 888-699-9395 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.